Welcome to the BA Knowledge Share. In this episode, I'm so honored to talk to Nisha uh, Talagala. Um, hi, Nisha, and welcome to the BA Knowledge Share uh, podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Nice to awesome. Be um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you became interested in AI? Uh, sure. So, so my background is in classic computer science. Yeah, I got my degree and master's and PhD in computer science, but I've always been interested in AI. So I first built uh, AIs when I was in, uh, you know, a senior in college and then, you know, a graduate student. And we, did, we didn't have many of the technologies that we have now, but my interest in AI was always there. Um, I, I actually did my PhD on clustered and distributed computing, but then, and I worked, I've worked in industry for a long time, and I've also worked at the intersection of industry and academia for a long time. And then about eight years ago, I decided to sort of pursue my interest in AI formally. And I founded a company uh, that uh, basically built the first machine learning operations platform. So we actually mm-hmm. coined the term MLOps, and I wrote the first MLOps Wikipedia entry. And that was wow. back when, you know, AI was even earlier than it is now. And companies were just starting to understand how to production, you know, put AI into production and actually make it impactful for business. Uh, so that company was acquired by Data Robot uh, in 2019. And I wanted to you know, continue my passion for AI, but wanted to focus more on the education space. Mm-hmm. So I co-founded AI Club, which is an education technology company. And we focus on AI literacy. And we actually teach everyone from eight, we call it eight to 80, but essentially mm-hmm. we teach you know, everyone from students to professionals. In the last few years, we've developed a very robust K through 12 program, but we've also taught quite a few professionals as well. So that's what I do. That's incredible. And especially in the area of education, that is so important for folks to understand what is AI and what are its use cases. So uh, really kudos to you for um, taking that 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 step. Um, and speaking about um, AI, like what are some of the biggest challenges businesses face when implementing AI and how can they overcome them? Sure. So I think, you know, AI, there's a lot of excitement about AI and, you know, and all the businesses kind of like, and and, and the applicability has been shown in pretty much every industry. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely a lot of excitement about adopting it. But I have seen, in, you know, in my experiences, both, you know, currently, as well as in the past that, you know, businesses, sometimes it's hard for them to go from the excitement to what I would call return on investment, right? Mm-hmm. Of actually, we've got it, it's working, it's generating positive returns. And it comes from a number of things. One is kind of like a misunderstanding of what it takes to be successful. You know, so like a simple thing, like, you know, adding AI to your problem does not automatically make your situation better. You have to have a very clear idea of what you're trying to accomplish and why you think AI is going to help you and have like a very, you know, kind of crisp and critical view of what success looked like before AI. Mm -hmm. And what exactly would you want AI to do better? Is it that you will have the same number of sales, but at less cost? Is it that you will have more sales? Is it that you will have a more efficient delivery? But, you know, be very mm-hmm. precise about what you're trying to accomplish. And if you're not in a position to measure that, it will be very difficult for you to know whether you're being successful. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that taking AI from, you know, concept to production does require a special set of skills. This was something that many companies didn't really know, you know, like say five years ago, mm-hmm. but now much more companies know. That. So, you know, when we started MLOps, for example, people really didn't know what kind of, you know, issues you might run into. There were companies like Google, you know, that knew, of course, they've been doing mm-hmm. it for years, mm-hmm. but the average enterprise did not know, or the average, you know, small business definitely did not know. Now MLOps is much more pervasive. There are, you know, you can learn about it. You can hire an MLOps engineer, 
whose specialty it is to transition technologies into production. And so mm -hmm. now it's much more viable. The third is that there is a bit of a cultural shift. You know, in order to make an AI successful or generate revenue on investment, you know, return on investment from AI, mm -hmm. you do need a lot of people to collaborate. You know, your engineers, your data scientists, your product managers, right? Yeah. Your user training, all of that has to come together in order to make this integration successful. And and companies again have you know struggled with it, but they are now learning that the kind of team structure. Mm -hmm. organizational structure that is required to enable everyone with their diverse points of view to come together and collaborate, you know, under a common, you know, uh, definition of success and a common metric for success. So those are some of the things. Great. And and you brought up a good point. And you don't need a lot of folks to make a project successful or AI project successful. That's a very interesting fact, because when we talk about, um, you know, software development, initially it was SDLC, Waterfall, and the change was agile. Now it's it's something very agile-ish probably, but minimal number of people, which is, which is interesting, um, as well as the fact that you brought up those three points, um, it's 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 good to, to know that. Um, in your opinion, what are some of the most exciting developments happening in AI right now? We've, we've heard about chat GPT, there's other sort of um, AIs happening, but apart from that, like, what are some of the trends and, and patterns that you're seeing? Yeah, so I think the key thing is that, you know, um, so I'm, you know, I think that perhaps the thing to maybe think about is not necessarily chat GPT, the actual service, but the technology that underpins it. So ChatGPT is just the it's the most recent and also very impressive, but it's the recent public manifestation of an area of AI technology called large language models. So wow. fundamentally, large language models are models that can under well, understand is a strong word. They mm -hmm. can process and find patterns in text. And this can be text like uh, the transcript of this call, you know. Mm -hmm. It could be a book that you download. It could be Wikipedia. It could be Reddit. It could be, you know, pretty much anything. Mm -hmm. And what made these technologies super powerful is that they are a class of technologies that do not require what's called labeling. So I'll give you a simple example. Like supposing my goal was to determine whether a person should get a loan or not, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Then I would have historical data. Here's a person. They got a loan. It was a successful loan. They paid it back, you know? Mm -hmm. and so forth. Here's a person, they got a loan, it was not successful, they defaulted. Mm -hmm. So every one of those data points needs to have a clear answer of what happened in the past. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those answers have to be gathered, provided by humans, right? You have to yeah. find the records, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the nice things about these language models is that they fundamentally learn by completing sentences. So you give them a sentence and they, they already know the completion because you have the whole sentence. Mm -hmm. And then they learn how to complete it. So this is a class, so any data that does not require humans to like really say, okay, what was the right answer this time, right? Mm -hmm. Any data that can figure out for itself the right answer, there's just so much easier to, you know, acquire masses of data. Nice. So one of it is that it's language. And so language is everywhere. The second mm -hmm. is that it has this self, you know, kind of, you know, it doesn't require explicit labeling. So technology, and that's not unique to large language models, by the way, there are many techniques out there that do that, but that has created, it's called semi-supervised or unsupervised, and it has created this massive growth of the amount of data that you can bring to bear for an AI. So one of the things that's very hard for companies many times is if they want to solve a problem, chances are somewhere in the company, there is data about this problem, but the data wasn't gathered at a time when you thought there would be an AI. Yeah. Some of the data could be in a filing cabinet somewhere. Literally, some of it is that like we, we have it, but we don't know where it is. 
Yeah. We have the customer records of the loans, but we don't have the customer records of whether they paid them back, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just a massive pain to get that stuff together. And then the net result is the amount of data you can get together is small. Yeah. Whereas if you can just shove anything and everything into it and it figures out things, yeah, it's just so much easier to gather information. So yeah. that's one of the key trends. And it and it's occurring not just in uh, you know in languages, but it's occurring in other domains as well, where you can kind of like perform this sort of discovery. The other thing is that there is an ecosystem building up. So for example, there are many labeling companies out there now, you know, for self-driving cars, you know, for self-driving cars have to recognize everything from a tree to a bicycle to, you know, right. strange animal that you would never expect to see in outside of a zoo, but for some reason is now on your road, right? Yeah, yeah. And so there are companies that will just literally label scenes for you for a living or even simulate scenes that you're never actually seeing on the road. Wow. So for, so for, so for you know, mainstream applications, you can do that, but you cannot mm-hmm. do that for private applications. Like your company's private data, you're not going to hire a third-party labeling company. Right, right. They right, won't right. even understand the data, much less you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. able to label it. So there's all these kinds of challenges. And so some of the new trends are this, that there are these AIs emerging that require very little of this kind of stuff. And that's very that, powerful. That's, yeah. that's fascinating. That's fascinating. I'm sorry, so, you were saying yeah. And, and I mean, there are many others. I mean, AI is not no shortage of, you know, fascinating trends, but and that's one of those. The other is that, you know, AI has shown, you know, um, uh, you know, promise in all sorts of interesting problem solving approaches, mm. everything from math to strategy, right? Mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. So, so forth. And so I think people are still kind of discovering the kinds of problems they can solve with it. So are you, are you talking about, um, solving problems or identifying problems? Good question. So I'll give you an example. I mean, AIs can now generate new candidate drugs faster than any human. Oh, wow. If you look at the drug discovery pipeline, the drug discovery pipeline is very, very expensive because even coming up with a new drug, right? Mm -hmm, Basically, mm -hmm. in order to create a drug, you have to essentially say, okay, I hypothesize that if I can manufacture this particular sequence of, you know, Mm-hmm. chemicals into a, a compound, then it will enter the body under this delivery, make itself an attachment, right? Yeah. To this particular protein, and that will cause some behavioral change that is positive. Mm-hmm. So previously, before AI got involved, this was done by essentially the best human experts in the world would gather in a room and they would pull out of their brains mm-hmm. the top 10 chemicals they could think of. And then we would go off and test them. Now when AI can churn out from all the possible combinations of chemicals, here's the ones that I think are most likely to have a positive interaction with this protein, that RNA strand, this, that, right? Yeah, wow. And then then the labs can go ahead and evaluate experimentally the ones the AI thought was most likely because that experimentation is so expensive. And so if you can have a good candidate go into the pipeline, it's much... The reason that drug discovery is so expensive is not because the one that succeeds takes... It's because of the ones that fail. And until they go through the cycle, you don't know that they're going to fail, right? So the... The better the quality of the thing that goes in, the less likely, you know, yeah, the, less yeah. Cost of the thing that comes out. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's, that's an example. That's interesting, right? Because there's so much savings there, right? Right there, that specific example that you provided. Um, and it's fascinating to see where this is headed. And my next question, you, you touched upon it briefly, right? So the future of AI, like what does it look in the next five to 10 years? Like right now we're just seeing the introduction of AI to the general public, but being on the inside, being in the industry, what do you think is is 
coming up down the road five to ten years from now i think there's a number of things i think we're headed for uh, i mean i honestly the world is always in the middle of a massive transformation right and sure. i think it's overkill to say that this is one and we haven't had one before yeah. I, I honestly think that what has happened so the the the, uh, the key thing i think is that the ais you see around us including chat you know are mm-hmm. nothing compared to the ones you don't see mm-hmm the ones that are being used behind the scenes to drug, design drugs for you, make decisions yeah. about policy, make decisions about who gets parole in a prison, who doesn't, right? Wow, yeah. Uh, there was nothing. I think ChatGPT may be the first time when the what you see is as powerful as what you don't see. Mm. What you don't see is also getting crazy power, more powerful by the day. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the fundamental things that I think is that there is a transformation about job skills. And the kind of skills that you need, and from from my role in the education, fundamentally, what are the things that you should be learning? Mm. So I heard a quote uh, in earlier this week, which I thought was really good, is that um, AI is going to transform education from what you know to who you are. Oh wow! Okay, so how? So let's slow down on that, right? So what you know to who you are. So okay. So for example, in there was a time, you know, before technology became ramping up so quickly is that what you knew, which you learned in school was enough to power you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Like, you, know, you, you trained to be a doctor, you became a doctor. Maybe you had the, pre, you know, you had periodic tra- retrainings. Right. But for the last one, your life will be about being a doctor, right? Yeah. Even before AI showed up, if you're in computer science, you know that lang- computer languages are always changing. Technologies mm-hmm. are changing. Products are changing. So whatever you learned on in school is most likely not the technology you're using today. True. Right. So that was always something that computer science people and, you know, or anybody in the technology industry just had to internalize is that learning Mm -hmm. is a lifelong exercise. AI has made that much more aggressive. So if you look at a lot of these AIs, you know, uh, like ChatGPT, for example, they are amazing co-pilots. So if you know what you're doing, it can just save so much time for you. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what you're doing, you may not know to ask the right question mm-hmm. and it's not psychic. So it can't tell you what you are trying to learn. Right. And so AI, so technologies, these AIs are amazing assistance to people who know what they're doing, which means that your ability to sort of use the tool. And I don't mean prompt engineering. Prompt engineering is more of a low level. What I mean, yeah, I, w- I was going to get into that prompt engineering. Okay, go ahead. So what I'm saying is more like, like if think about it from the point of view of, a, of an employer, right? Mm-hmm. An employer hires a person to solve a problem fundamentally. Mm-hmm. The more junior the employer, the employee, the more specific the problem. True. The more senior the employee, the vaguer the problem. Like if you're hiring like a head of AI and analytics for a mm-hmm. major corporation, that person's job is to make the company successful in AI. Their boss is not going to tell them how to do that. Right. Right. And every and they have to figure out, oh, this means I have to convince this guy of something. I have to train these people. I have to buy this thing from this vendor. I have to get these people to generate a roadmap. Right. Yeah. So from problem to strategy to execution comes from the brain of the human. And so when I say who you are is, are you resourceful? Right. Are you persistent? Are you okay? Right. Are you sufficiently knowledgeable that you can make good use of any tool out there, but at the same time, sufficiently, you know, uh, you know, knowledgeable that you don't, you know how to not break the law and get your company sued. <laughs> right, right. While you're doing it. So if you are that person, it's who you are. What you may have learned yesterday, what you may have, may have learned in college is no longer relevant. So it also gets, in, um, get, I'm diverting a little bit from my questions, but it, it also gets into understanding 
um, not just the books, right? In, in, in a classroom, it's understanding, having those soft skills, having the, the skills to constantly learn and be curious and, and all that, that whole package. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's fascinating. Um, yeah, so I think that, like, like I was at the uh, PyCon conference yesterday, so the Python conference, and one of the mm-hmm. questions, it's a legitimate question that was being asked is, do we still need to teach people to code? Mm. And it's a really interesting question because the answer is not obvious. I mean, I, I personally feel the answer is still yes, but maybe not for the reasons we used to think of, right? Mm-hmm. Like the coding syntax, I'm not sure matters anymore. But at the same time, coding isn't just about learning syntax. It's also about learning how to problem solve. It's about learning how to imagine and then, you know, be able to create what you imagined into something solid that somebody else can try. Mm-hmm. So those skills still still have to be there in people. But yeah. like one of the questions that we may need to ask ourselves is actually like have a conversation with employers, an ongoing conversation. This is, okay, what is it that you need now in an employee? Yep. Then turn around and say, are we teaching that thing? Yeah. You know, so rather than saying, okay, we have assessments, we have a test and we, and our job is to teach the students to do well on the test. Maybe we have to honestly step back from all of that and say, okay, our goal is to get people employed. Our goal is to feed the workforce, right? Yeah. 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 What does it it take to feed the workforce? Exactly. It's, it's be it in the classroom. What does it take to be a successful student for the future? Also, what does it take to be a successful employee and getting that feedback from and, and sometimes employers may not know either. Right. So it's exactly. it's really broadening that view and re- just resourcing and creating resources for yourself. And also just keep talking. Right. Because we don't. Yeah. Know. yeah. Teachers yeah. don't know. Employers don't know. Frankly, you know, they don't yeah. know. They don't know what they will need in the next few years. Yeah. But at the same time, if you keep talking, then maybe you figure it out. Yeah, and a lot of the folks in in the the business analysis community, they it's the same question. The burning question is, what's going to happen to business analysts? Well, things are going to evolve. It's probably a very gradual cycle of evolution, right? This may not be business analysis as in a box. You know, you're probably going to have to broaden your horizons and look at other angles. It might be some new stuff as well. Let's talk about a little bit about ethics and, and AI. Um, it's a broad topic. Um, so, you know, asking specific questions is, is, is sort of, in general, what do you think about ethics and, and AI? I think ethics is a very, very major challenge in AI. Mm. And the more pervasive the AI becomes, the bigger the challenge. And the, as you said, ethics is not one thing. Ethics is so many things, right? So like one of the things that is, so if you work from like planet down, right, instead of individual up, planet mm-hmm. down, you know, there is an arms race going on right now in AI. Mm-hmm. You know, countries are realizing that their ability to compete, their ability to maybe even safeguard their citizenry, right, is going to depend on their AI competence. What is this translating into? They are protecting their AI technology. They're training their citizens as fast as they can. And mm-hmm. eventually they will start protecting their data if they haven't done it already, because data is where good AI comes from. Who owns the data owns the AI. So that's one, right, is that there are these arms races. Now, the next question is going to be, you know, AIs can be quite damaging. You know, for example, the AI technology that can generate new drugs, similar technology can easily generate new uh, chemical weapons. It has been proven. A researcher Mm -hmm. proved that he could get an AI to generate 40,000 chemical weapons in six hours. Wow. You know, and he basically put it out there and said, be, be worried, be very worried. Now, the quite real question is, if you have countries that are competing like mad, 
are they going to be willing to come together to regulate something across nations, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For the things that can cause trouble. And so one of the, so I'm writing a Forbes article right now, which I'm hoping to publish today is essentially about analogies. And one of the analogies is nuclear power, Mm. nuclear technologies. If you think about nuclear technology, right? the, The core essence of nuclear technology powers, you know, many homes around the world. Mm-hmm. It's also the technology that generated the bomb that created Chernobyl that, you know, and so there are these sort of humans decide whether technology goes the good route or the bad route. Yeah. And sometimes it takes us many years as a planet to come together. Yeah. To figure it out. And we sometimes race. I mean, there was a nuclear race, right? For a long time. Everybody yeah. built it. And then fortunately, before we destroyed our planet, we generally figured out that we probably shouldn't start firing these at each other. Yeah. Right. At the same time, this is not a solved problem. All you have to do is to go to the news any given day and you know that somewhere in the world, this is still an issue. Mm-hmm. Right. So I expect there'll be a similar kind of thing. And I think, you know, there'll be a lot of good. And unfortunately, it's possible there will be one or two very bad incidents, too. OK, so we all right. realize that this is serious. So, yeah, so I, I look. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. So that's the ethical issue at the planet level. Sure. Now, if you go all the way down, there's questions like, you know, is my Alexa listening to me? You know, yep, yep. what exactly does it know about me? Do I even, do I want it to know that kind of thing about me? I don't remember, you know, agreeing to that. You know, and then there's lots of, you know, issues like, you know, are companies selling data about you? Like exactly how much there's deep fakes where, you know, yeah, we can no longer trust our eyes because videos can now be beautifully faked. So there's lots and lots of issues that hit all over the place. And that's part of the reason why the ethical pro- dilemma is so, you know, complex is because it is so multifaceted. Yeah, and it's interesting. I was as as reading an article, and they a, a lot of the um, CEOs of Microsoft and Google are encouraging the government to put in regulations. Um, you know, because I, I I can only imagine they're seeing these ethical dilemmas popping up and potentially popping not potentially will be popping up down the road. Um, and I really look forward to reading to your reading your article as well that you post um, in Forbes. Um, what, what advice would you give someone just starting out in the field of AI? Yeah, so I think this is, you know, so first of all, I wrote a, 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 another Forbes piece earlier in the year, which turned out to be uh, prescient. Is it basically, I said 2023 will be the year of AI education. Mm-hmm. And I think that is clearly turning out to be true. And so the, yeah, the, you know, and so I, I talked to so many people from, you know, all walks of life, all professions who are saying, okay, apparently now I have to actually deal with this AI thing. Mm-hmm. I've had it on my to-do list for a long time. I probably need to learn this, but now suddenly, you know, ChatGPT has landed on my head and now I really have to know what's going on. I think the the first thing is to really try to understand what your personal goals are, Mm -hmm. you know, and not to be too overwhelmed because the problem with AI is that a lot of people come across this issue. They're flooded with articles. Oh my God, it's going to change the world. It's going to cost me my job. It's going to, you know, it's going to save the planet. It's going to destroy the planet. All of them keep coming. Then I Google for it and I end up with some equation. I don't know why this equation is there. Mm -hmm. I don't want to learn it. I don't know what it's doing. I don't even know if it's important. And so somehow suddenly I went from over here to over here in the matter of a blink. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to really be somewhere in the middle. I don't really want to, you know, I don't want to be in the hype world. I also am look, have no intention of being a mathematician ever. Right. Right. And so that middle ground is what everybody is struggling with. And I think it really does help to, uh, you know, to kind of understand for yourself, you know, what is it that you are trying to learn and what is your purpose? Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example, perhaps for your users. If the question is, 
how is this going to change my job as an analyst? Mm-hmm. You know, the way I would recommend that is, first of all, you know, try to unthink about, try to learn the tools that people are saying are useful for analysts. Mm-hmm. Find out what they are, go and try them out. One of the beauties of the AI space is almost everything is at least free for trial. Mm-hmm. Try it out. And then one of two things is going to happen. You, oh, well, the three things. One is you might find it's completely useless. Okay, fine, move on, right? Mm-hmm. The other is maybe it helps you do your job faster. Mm-hmm. In that case, be proactive, adopt it. Talk to your company, see if it's okay. Mm-hmm. If they think it's okay, then try to adopt it because it makes you a better version of yourself. Mm-hmm. It makes you more valuable to your employer. The second one is if you do believe that this job, this tool will eventually replace you, mm-hmm. you know, actually like look at it clear eyed and say, you know what, I'm sorry, but this tool is going to eventually replace me. Mm-hmm. Then it's time to really think about learning something else. Like don't That's- wait until the tool replaces you. Don't freak out. Right. Just look at it clearly. And if that is the case, then move on. Yeah, there was this whole debate, um, uh, should I be a specialist versus a generalist, right? And I think being a specialist, as long as it look at it with clear eyes, makes sense, then yeah, I mean, if you're a generalist, right, if, if you're going down that path, then uh, there, would, there was this interesting article, like combine, you can combine biology with analysis or data analytics. Um, there's, there's so many com- permutations and combinations that you can create. It does take some work. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Um, just finally, like, what's next for you? And you've done so much work in this field. Um, there's in, and you're contributing so much in education. Are there any exciting projects or initiatives that you're working on that you can tell us about? Sure. So actually, one of the things that you know we haven't talked a lot about, but we have been doing for some time, but now we're going to do it at a much larger scale, mm-hmm. is we are educating professionals. And so that thing I described about, you know, you hear all the news at the top, but then when you go looking, you find some ridiculous thing at the bottom, right? Right. Everybody's journey is somewhere in the middle and everybody's journey is somehow personalized to them. Mm -hmm. And so we are launching an initiative. We're calling it AI Club Pro, where we're creating personalized learning paths for professionals. Okay. So the idea is that, you know, we will meet with, and, and by the way, we're already doing this. We just haven't announced it. Sometimes it's an individual, sometimes it's a team, sometimes it's a company where essentially, you know, different teams come in. Mm -hmm. But the basic idea is that through a consultation process, we learn the objective that the, you know, the person, the team has, what is it they're Mm -hmm. trying to accomplish in their Mm -hmm. job? And then we create a personalized learning path for them to navigate Mm -hmm. them through the noise and they pick up the skills they want. They don't need to worry about the skills they don't want right now. Mm -hmm. And so everything from are you specializing in a particular industry to are you going to be a coder? Do you want to be a coder, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want mm-hmm. to learn AI without necessarily coding? These are the things that people have difficulty navigating for themselves and their teams. So that's an initiative that we're very excited about. And I think we've seen very positive response right now. Cool. Because to your point, everybody needs to learn. We all have these questions. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do they get more information about that? So this we'll is... launch shortly, but if you just email me, I'll, I'll put my email address Sure. on the chat. Yeah, they can just email me for now. And uh, and yeah, and once we launch, we will, we already have clients. We just haven't publicized the fact that we do this. Cool. And, uh, and our clients basically are, you know, basically enterprise companies, you know, over a hundred million in revenue. Um, 
And the P individuals are everyone from, you know, VPs of engineering to CEOs, to directors of the board, to product managers. And you can see how they all need to learn different things. Correct. Right. And so that's, that reflects, you know. Yeah. No, that's 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 fascinating. Um, so is there anything else that you would like to, to bring up to the audience um, or any last words? Yeah, I think, the, you know, I think no, this has been wonderful. I hope that your audience finds this helpful. Um, I'm sure. Feel free to connect them with me if they have any questions or anything like that. I have, I am trying to write more often on the topic. So, you know, you can just Google for my name and Forbes. I usually put more of my articles there. Yep. So if they're interested in following on this topic, they can, you know, try to follow me there. Yeah, and I'll include um, your information as well in the show notes um, so people can can get a hold of you. Appreciate your time, uh, Nisha. This has been a very fascinating conversation um, and thank you so much. And I hope you can join me in the next couple of months or in a year. I'd love to touch base with you. Absolutely, same here. All thank right. you so much. For thank you. Me.